The Daily Ding is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. My favorite feature, you can get tickets in two taps. A two-tap checkout. That's efficiency. That's how you're supposed to do it in the NBA. Two taps gets you tickets, gets you checked out, and you're ready to go to the game every single time. So head to the App Store or Google Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. the athletic podcast network what did you want tyler to know from this crowd from his teammates about the toughness that he showed in really his first nba little scuffle i want tyler to know his ass should have got thrown out if i was a ref i would have tossed his last how dare you uh, everybody thinks it's kind of end of us that's just not smart uh-huh. i can't even put into words my level of disgust frustration and beyond toronto canada we brought it home baby good morning welcome to the daily ding happy monday morning the nba season is here and we're gonna preview opening night for tuesday night the games are back i'm zach harper i'll be joined today by blake murphy covers the toronto raptors for the athletic and as part of the raptors reasonableist podcast and of course brett dawson covers both los angeles basketball teams for the athletic uh coming up on today's daily ding the raptors are gonna have a ring ceremony before they host the Pelicans without Zion Williamson. That's a big disappointment. We get to see those shiny rings and that banner go up into the rafters. And then we're going to have a battle for Los Angeles with the Clippers hosting the Lakers, a road game at home for the Lakers. Uh, We'll get into both those games and everything you need to know for Tuesday night uh, as the NBA comes back to us for the 2019-2020 season. Let's jump in by going north of the border. We're going to be Putin the... Information you need to know for this Raptors Pelicans team. Yes, we're back with the bad puns. Blake Murphy of the Athletic joins me right now. Blake, welcome back, buddy. I'm I'm excited. Like I was I was feeling kind of overwhelmed with all this preview stuff going into it. And then as soon as as soon as Rob said, All right, let's go, man, this energy came back. I'm ready for the season. See, I was the exact opposite. I was all excited and ready to go, and then you made that poutine pun and I'm out. Oh no. Sorry, Rob. That was that was, that was so good. That was it really was my good. best work. It was. That's low bar, but, you know, it's... Uh, uh, I'm all about clearing just the lowest of expectations on this podcast. What's uh, going on, man? How was your offseason? Man, my offseason was great. Uh, I didn't have to do a whole lot. You know, I did a lot of, like, reaction stuff, and then I got to go to Cabo, and now I just get to wait for uh, for the championship uh, ceremony here in uh, in Toronto. Uh, what are you expecting out of it? Like, have you seen a preview of the ring, uh, you know, what the, ra- what the banner's going to look like? Uh, the banner, I have not seen what it's going to look like. The ring, we're technically embargoed from from talking about it until uh, until the actual rings are, are handed out. There's also a weird thing. They're going to give fans replica rings as they come in. But okay. fans can come in like over an hour before the game and get the replica rings. They're asking fans not to post them on social media so people don't oh. know what they look like. Yeah, Good right. with that. <laughs> yeah, right. An Good hour of 20,000 people not posting their fake rings There's on social media. Okay, we're going to break the embargo right now, Blake. Are there diamonds on the ring? Of course there are diamonds on the ring. Is there a reference to the Raptors winning a championship? 
There is a reference to the Raptors winning the championship. That is the breaking news you can expect here on the Athletic. That's what we got. So all right, I'm just are, disappointed Drake didn't design them. You know, I thought the, I thought for sure there'd be an owl on those rings. I want my chips with the dip. That's all I know. I don't want my chips playing. I want my chips with the dip. So bring them dips. How many rings will he get? You know he's not stopping at one. Yeah, I mean, I guess like one for him and then all his people. Like he could have just like paid for extras. I'm sure, right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it's it's just, you know, clout chasing and everything that. you. Yeah, like Baca not nice is with him at most of the games. And I'm sure like OVO 40 wanted one. And right. he's, he's got he, his roster runs deeper than the Raptors right now. Right. So. Right. Right. Right now. Uh, our friend Big Waz, Wazney Lambert is just like, you know, pounding his chest, running around the apartment, listening to this podcast with you naming all these OVO people. for drink. <laughs> uh, What does the roster look like? Obviously, Kawhi's gone. Danny Green's gone. Pascal's the the man. He, he signs what a, with a four year, one hundred and thirty million dollar extension. Uh, he maxes out. He is the guy for them moving forward. You don't have to worry about that, Raptors fans. But what does the rest of it look like? Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, obviously there's a, there are two huge holes to fill with Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green out. That's two of your starters. That's two borderline all defense guys. That is between the two of them, like 30% of the offensive possessions you you used up last year. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see the, what the Raptors are hanging their hats on so far. Um, another step from Siakam. Obviously, he took this otherworldly jump last year. They want to see what he can do in a higher usage role, despite the big jump last year, usage percentage only 20.8%. So a lot of room for him to grow in his touches. Uh, they hope he can grow as a playmaker as well. Um, you're going to see, you know, OG Ananobi featured a little bit more. He'll be back in that starting role that he lost last year because Kawhi Leonard came in. Um, he had a, a up and down season last year with some personal tragedy and a handful of different injuries. Uh, they're expecting him to kind of get back on the path. He looked like he was on his rookie year. I think you'll see Kyle Lowry and, and Marcus all, you know, up their usage a little bit there. Those guys aren't going to be like heavy, heavy volume shooters, but they have both last year and in Lowry's case, the couple years before that sacrifice some of their individual scoring numbers for the benefit of the team to be more playmakers. Those guys could look to score a little bit more, uh, but there are question marks beyond that. The Raptors are returning seven key rotation players, uh, six of whom plus Ananobi, six of whom were uh, key figures in the entire playoff run. And then Ananobi being the seventh after that, it's a lot of question marks. Nick nurse has not really held back in letting people know that the the new guys and some of the guys competing for those roster spots have underwhelmed. So I think they're confident in the seven guys that are coming back. They're confident in Nick Nurse's offense with, with the amount of playmaking and IQ they have on the floor. Um, big question marks as you go down the depth chart, though. Well, as they prepare for the Pelicans, I think there's always that worry that you could either be you know, kind of carried through the night energy wise with the ring ceremony, or sometimes we see those title teams, those defending teams kind of let down a little bit. It's such an emotional outburst, right? To emotional moment to get those rings. So they're going to face a very tough Pelicans team. Unfortunately, no Zion Williamson. He's out a quote period of weeks, whatever that means yeah, uh, with this knee, with this knee issue. So that, it sucks. We don't get to see his debut. Um, but how did they prep for like drew holiday, Derek favors, JJ Reddick, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo ball. Like this is a good team coming in. Is it a, is it a, a letdown if they lose game one? I don't think so. I mean, they're seven point favorites, but I, th I think people would obviously the night ties together a lot better if they celebrate at the end and they yeah. win. 
I think they'd kind of be forgiven if they, you know, if there is that bit of emotional hangover. But I think, you know, you saw, obviously it's preseason, but they, for the very first time in the preseason, they ran kind of a dress rehearsal against the Nets on Friday. Um, those core seven guys, plus Terrence Davis in a bit of an eighth man role, uh, though that looked pretty cohesive. That looked like guys who had played together and gone through the ringer together last year. Um, and again, because they, they skew pretty vet heavy and they skew pretty IQ heavy, maybe they can avoid some of those pitfalls. Interesting matchup perspective for them. Um, one of the things that's become clear over the course of the the preseason and should have been anyway, probably, is that they're going to use OG Ananobi as their primary defender. Siakam got that assignment a lot last year um, so that Kawhi Leonard could kind of conserve himself for key moments. Uh, now that Siakam's in the primary offensive load role, you know, maybe so, uh, more of that defensive responsibility is going to go to Ananobi like it was when he was alongside DeRose in his rookie year. You look at New Orleans, well, Drew Holiday's a problem, and they trust Ananobi on point guards, but they might want Ananobi on Brandon Ingram instead. When Lonzo right. Ball's in the game, they might want to throw one of Ananobi or Siakam at him to throw size his way. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one for, for Toronto from that perspective. Obviously not as challenging as if Zion were there, just tanking down, down the runway to the rim. Um, but it, it, I think we're going to learn a little bit about how Nurse sees these things um, unfolding and how he wants to use Ananobi and Siakam as defenders, which is a pretty big storyline for them moving forward. Well, I, so I have questions about the offensive end. I think defensively, this team's still going to be a monster because yeah, even the guys they brought in, like Stanley Johnson can defend and Nobi being back can defend Ronda house. Jefferson, he can defend, right? Like, like while they lost a lot, I still think defensively, they should be a top three to five defense in the league this year. But offensively, is it like, I know he's done it in the past, but is it easy for Kyle Lowry to just turn it back on and be more of a scorer again? I don't know that he could be more of a scorer. I think he can look for his own three-point shot a little bit more. And I think him and Fred Van Bleet figure to play a lot of minutes together where that would allow Lowry to work off the ball um, in more of a two-guard role, which could get him more three. I think that the biggest thing for Lowry is that, um, you know, for a long time, the Raptors were such a pick and roll heavy team. And they got away from that a little bit last year because of the Kawhi centric offense, because of um, Pascal Siakam's growth in a one-on-one -on -one role. I think you could go back to seeing Lowry running a lot more pick and roll. Um, for years, the Raptors role players have had better offensive ratings, better net ratings, better three-point percentages. When Lowry's on the floor, uh, better three-point percentages off of passes that come from Lowry. Uh, he's just got that kind of level of intelligence and playmaking that even if his own scoring doesn't go up, I wonder if the ball in his hands more just may, helps make things a little easier for the role players they're asking to do more. Right. And then I think Gasol helps in that same way as well. Uh, but I'm with you. I think this is a top five defense. And I think, you know, if they finish even a, like in the 10 to 15 range on offense, they're pretty happy with that outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's say they, they win tomorrow. They win Tuesday night, right? They beat the Pelicans. Who besides Siakam steps up offensively in that game to make that happen? Yeah, that's it's a it's a tough one. I think probably that's a game that they start um, Lowry and Van Vliet together. So I think you're going to see, you know, a, probably a three heavy offense there. They're weirdly built where everyone on the team or everyone who projects in the rotation can kind of hit threes, but only their point guards are like really strong three point shooters. Uh, I don't think Matt Thomas is going to be in the rotation. Otherwise, you know, that's 100 percent right there. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's a it's a little bit from everyone. I think Ananobi's been a low teens usage guy, and I think that maybe needs to be high teens. I think Lowry needs to be up above 20%. Um, Gasol needs to look at the rim a little bit more like he does with Spain in the summer and like he did in the preseason games. Um, 
you know, it's it's one of those things. It sounds like a cop out answer, but it really is going to have to be Siakam adds a bunch of usage and everyone yeah. else kind of ticks theirs up a little bit. Um, you know, the the thing Nurse was fond of saying when he coached Team Canada this year, what because they didn't have kind of go to scoring options was the offense is going to have to do a lot more of the scoring. Um, you look and I know this stuff isn't incredibly predictive um, year to year or, or in the preseason with the small samples, um, but. It's notable that the Raptors have played at a significantly higher pace than they have in the past, and they've their assist rate is through the roof compared to where it was with Kawhi. So I do think there's some merit to we're going to let the offense do some of the scoring for us. So if we have a situation where Tuesday night Drake is on one end of the court, you know, <laughs> hyping up the crowd, and for whatever reason, LeVar Ball gets a courtside seat on the Pelicans end, who's going to be who's going to be a bigger distraction? Uh, I would think LeVar just because Drake's so built into the fabric at Scotiabank Arena. Like, like Drake gave Nick Nurse a massage in a huge moment last year and nobody blinked. <laughs> LeVar Ball's out there, but especially on the road, LeVar Ball's not going to, you know, start start rubbing Lonzo's calves down at a timeout, you know? Right. That's true. Okay. Uh, give me what, give me a prediction for Tuesday night. What happens? Uh, I'll say Raptors in a tight one, um, you know, sleepy start. Nikhil Alexander-Walker in his first NBA game at home, no less, uh, surprises a little bit. And then, you know, kind of around halftime, the Raptors figure it out and, and that emotional hangover wears off and, and they take it in a close one. Catch him on Raptors Reasonable List, the podcast on The Athletic. Catch him doing a fantastic coverage of your defending world champion Toronto Raptors all season long. Blake Murphy, thanks so much, buddy. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, now let's turn our attention to Los Angeles, where that's where most of the basketball attention will be this year with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. And they just so happen to be tipping off Tuesday night, a home game for the Clippers, which means the banners will be covered up. Even that Taylor Swift banner will be covered up. Brett Dawson, new to L.A., covers the Lakers, covers the Clippers, covers L.A. basketball in general for the athletic. Uh, Brett, thanks for joining me. Just your initial thoughts on the battle for Los Angeles, which is always going to go to the Lakers unless the Clippers like become a dynasty. Yeah, thanks for having me, Zach. I uh, I was you know I was still in Oklahoma City, but I saw Kawhi Leonard get booed at the Dodger game, so I think we have a pretty good sense of where things still are right. <laughs> in this city, basketball wise. Um, I think it's been kind of funny. I haven't been with the Clippers yet. I've been with the Lakers a few days at practice, and I think one of the things that's that's coming from them, and I, I expect is going to come from the Clippers too, is that they don't really believe in this idea of there being a rivalry. LeBron James talked to practice today, um, Sundays we're recording this about. That's that's for us. It's for us to kind of create and for people who love basketball to talk about. But for those guys, I think they kind of see it as anything else. You know, LeBron was asked about sharing a city with another team. And he said the, the, the only thing he really thought about it last year was just going to your home arena for a road game and the oddity of that. But other than that, he hasn't thought much about the Clippers. Obviously, both teams are really good. Both teams expect to be there at the end and in the hunt for the title. But I don't think either team wants to talk about the other at this point. Yeah, I do think there there is just like a willful ignorance between the two sides, right? Like the Lakers just want to con- concentrate on themselves. Clippers just want to concentrate on themselves. They don't want to get into this whole we're trying to take the city kind of thing. But they do battle Tuesday night. And so we know Paul George won't be there. Uh, Anthony Davis has been dealing with a thumb injury, but he seems fine. He's going to play. Um, 
I guess, what do you expect? Like I, I almost expect not even to get to into predictions or anything, but I, I think I expect the Lakers to establish themselves. I expect the Clippers to take a kind of longer view on the season. Not that they won't try in game one, but I do expect the Lakers to win, to win this game. Um, because I do think with all the attention, the Clippers have received this off season, the funniest and most annoying outcome at the same time is the Lakers kind of dominating night one and putting them in their place. And all the Lakers fans going, see, we told you the Clippers are bums. Yeah, I mean, without Paul George, I, I don't think that's unlikely. And I do think there's something to this idea. You know, our, our Joe Varden from our place talked to LeBron last week, and there is some talk. You know, it's the first time LeBron's coming off an injury of any significance. You know, his team didn't make the playoffs. And I do think there's a, you know, I, I don't like the idea of like a revenge tour, but I think LeBron's out to prove something. And I think the Lakers have something to prove early on. Um, Anthony Davis, too, really a guy who last year, the second half of last season was really not about basketball for Anthony Davis. Right. It was all this drama about getting traded here. I do think this is a really focused Laker team. You know, however much stock you want to put into what a coach says in the preseason, Frank Vogel says it's it's one of the most locked in groups he's ever had in terms of the way they pay attention to detail, the way they communicate with each other about defensive things. So I, I do think they might be a little, maybe a little hungrier, but certainly uh, they're going to be more complete when they play on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the LeBron James revenge tour, and I, I think that's going to happen for him. I think there's going to be a Steph Curry revenge tour this season. But with Le- LeBron, it does seem like I think he wants to make sure Anthony Davis is at least the scoring option, the guy with scoring, right? But I do think he wants to remind everybody, like, by the way, I'm still LeBron James. Like, they're not making Space Jam 2 with Kawhi Leonard. Like, I'm the guy, and I and I expect him – I almost expect him to like play some defense, Brett. Like I really do. Like I expect him to kind of establish himself early in the season as like a reminder of don't ever forget that I'm the best player in the world. Yeah, I definitely think there's some of that there with him. I I do think he feels a little challenged for the first time in a long time for somebody to say, you know, maybe going back to the end of the first Cleveland run when people questioned whether he was going to get it done in the postseason. And then, you know, he went to Miami and did the things that he did there. I do think he feels like people have kind of, um, again, forgotten is the wrong thing. Everybody concedes LeBron is great, but I think people have moved on to other things and I do think he'd like to get their attention back. And not only that, but I think, you know, he, he made some comments about China that were, it's as much criticism as he's gotten for anything he's ever said. And so I think he would like to also get the focus back on his game. Yeah. Get it back to basketball for sure. Uh, for the rest of this Lakers team, uh, obviously Anthony Davis is going to be huge. Danny Green's a big part of it. Avery Bradley's kind of been the talk of a lot of this preseason with, with his role. Um, how do you kind of see this team shaking out from a defensive standpoint? Cause obviously Frank Vogel is very defensive minded and offensively. I, I do wonder if there's enough shooting on this team, which sounds weird to say when they, when you add someone like Danny Green and Avery Bradley who can shoot, but there there's just some weird gaps in this team where I, you know, maybe until Kuzma comes back, I, I'm not quite sure how it shakes out. Yeah, I'm curious. They are. I talked to Frank Vogel about this today. They're they're so versatile because, you know, it's it's well documented that AD really prefers to play the four, but he can play the five and they can do a bunch of different stuff that way. So they can go a little smaller with AD there um, and then you can have LeBron. And then when Kuzma's back, those three guys on the floor together, then you could go with either JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard. And you got Anthony Davis uh, at the, the, the five and the four there. So they've got so much versatility. I do question a little bit outside of Avery Bradley, how much ball pressure they're going to be able to put on people. I wonder about that. We saw them play so little 
together and they only played two teams in the right. preseason. So they're a weird team to judge because that Warriors team they played and really battered when they were at 100% or pretty close to it. The Warriors weren't near 100% and they're going to have some defensive issues. So I wonder about the way they're going to guard the perimeter. And I offensively, I do wonder a little about the shooting. I wonder about them just as a complete offensive team until Kuzma gets there. That said, if they shoot the ball well, like they did the the, the last game LeBron and AD played against the Warriors, they're going to be deadly because the size is hard to deal with. And there's just, there's almost nothing in the NBA in a pick and roll like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. On the, on the other side of that, that, you know, tunnel locker room, whatever you have the Clippers and they're going to be able at some point this season to throw out a lineup that has Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Mo Harkless, Kawhi Leonard. And it might not even matter who the fifth guy is, Brett, like defensively, like that is, that might be historic. Like they could really do some serious damage with that foursome. Man, I was covering the Thunder when they had Paul George and Andre Robertson together, and that's not as complete a lineup around them. They had, you know, Carmelo Anthony, who's not a good defender, uh, Russell Westbrook, who can be good on the ball, but can kind of lose interest. Stephen Adams is a really good defender at center, but they didn't have the same kind of group cohesion among all five guys that I think the Clippers could have. But when you had those two guys together, Paul George and Andre Robertson, a healthy Andre Robertson the way they could, one of those guys could take the best perimeter uh, offensive player or best scorer. And the other guy, he had a couple different options. He could do a little freelancing. They forced turnovers at an astronomical rate when those two guys played together. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is like an evolution of that combination. That That's as good or better defensively. And then obviously offensively, it's, it's no contest. So just the idea of building out around those two guys and then having a guy on the on the ball like Patrick Beverly, it's it's going to be a remarkable defense when it's all together. Yeah, I, I in terms of Paul George coming back, I think we've we've heard like, you know, sometime in November. And then and then from there, you don't really know, you know, how long it's going to take him to get to 100 percent and hopefully stay at 100 percent. How bad was the shoulder situation in OKC? Pretty bad. And and he's, you know, it was both shoulders and one of them I think was lingering before the other started to get affected. So he kind of hinted to us toward the end of the year last year that, you know, one of the shoulders was bad before the other one got bad. And, and we didn't really learn the second one was hurt until much later down the road. So I, I do think he was dealing with a lot. He's a, you know, one of the things in covering him for two years. Paul's a rhythm player. It really helps him. He likes, for example, he likes to play the whole first quarter. It's just a rhythm thing for him. And I think he fell out of his rhythm uh, at, at stretches when he got those, when both shoulders were kind of dinged up. And not only was he sitting out some games, but he, he wasn't at a hundred percent. I don't think he ever felt super comfortable. He was okay against the Blazers in the playoffs, but that's a team he had destroyed in the regular season. He had just feasted on the Blazers and really you could tell wasn't himself there. So I know in Oklahoma City, they expected it to be, I don't know, maybe 10 games. They expected him to miss some some time at the beginning. Um, and with a guy like that who is a rhythm player and who is such an elite defender, you do wonder at both ends of the floor, you know, if, if he's out for the first, I don't know, however long that is, few weeks, you know, how many more weeks does it take before he's really who he is? Okay, last question about the Clippers. Uh, Lou Williams has been kind of the rock for them. Montrose Harrell as well, coming off the bench. Do you expect his role to get changed in any way now that there's more firepower on this team? 
you know, it's an interesting question. I wondered about that a lot because what they had last year on that second unit with those two guys together, particularly Lou Williams is obviously everybody knows what, what he can do off the bench, but he and, and, and Montrez had a nice kind of combination working together coming off the bench. I, I am interested to see how that changes, but I don't think, you know, maybe the volume is down a little, but at the same time, it's Lou Williams. And so I, I just think he's going to do what he does. I think he's still going to find a way to get buckets and, and he'll still be an efficient guy. Uh, even if the role is maybe a little bit reduced by the minutes the starters play. And also I, I do think it's wise for the Clippers to do a little minutes management. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing, you know, a comparable role. All right. Last question. Prediction. I guess it's not a question so much as demand prediction <laughs> Tuesday night Lakers at Clippers. Can the Lakers win on the road? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, tough road trip, but I, I will take the Lakers. I do think, you know, I think LeBron is really dialed in. I think um, he actually yelled. I'm dialed in at practice today, but it was the end of a shooting contest that he won. So I don't think <laughs> okay. that was a, a larger statement, um, but I, I do think, you know, he's locked in. Um, they're going to be, closer, obviously no Kuzma yet, but they're going to be closer than the Clippers are to what they're going to be. So, uh, I, I like the Lakers on opening night, even in a, in the hostile Clippers environment that they're going to face. Uh, I like them to win on night one. I mean, when you can't see those banners, you can't see that Taylor Swift banner up in Staples center. It shakes you, Brett. I'm telling you, you'll experience it all season long when the Lakers are at the Clippers both times. It's going to be, it's going to be intense. Check out all the LA coverage, Lakers, Clippers, anything LA basketball from Brett Dawson all season long. Brett, thanks so much. Thanks, Zach. All right. Opening night is Tuesday night. That's going to do it for today's daily ding. Don't forget the other basketball shows we have across the athletic podcast network. We got basketball buds. We've got tampering with Sam Amick and Joe Varden, Nerder Shiro. We got all these team specific pods rolling out this season. So you're going to want to check the podcast app. You can subscribe on Apple, uh, on Apple music, Apple podcasts. You can subscribe on Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, you can subscribe to it. You can also subscribe right there in the app. Just click the follow on your favorite podcast to get notifications for when those episodes go up. Don't forget to subscribe to The Athletic. Let them know if you go to theathletic.com slash dings, they're going to get 40% off an annual subscription. You can't afford not to do it. Be locked in audio-wise, visual-wise, reading everything at The Athletic all season long. Thanks for waking up for us. And as we always sign off with, ding, ding. Ding.